Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our Recommend to Refute episode. Uh, we have a special guest with us, one of our friends. You heard him on the previous episode. It's Warner. Hey, Warner, welcome. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Hey. Uh, also at the table, you heard his voice, Ryan King. Hey. All right. Hey, yeah. Wait, wait, what we, which, which episode is this? This is the. This is the. What are we doing today? We're recommending or refuting today. That's oh, okay. what we're doing. All right, all right. All right. Uh, and I'm I'm your host, John. This time around, I'm I'm taking the reins on this one. Um, and uh, I'm going to actually kick it over to our special guest. So Warner, what do you got for us? Is it a recommend or a refute? Yeah, I got a recommendation for you. Uh, it's a TV show. If you guys haven't seen it yet, Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Someone stole the truck. Broad daylight. Put your seatbelt on. Seatbelt. People's safety. We're stealing a f***ing chip I do not truck. give a shit, man. Put your seatbelt on. We're Jeez. not on. Let's go. Apparently it was full of chips. I've never seen anything like that. You're good thieves. Best in town. Oh, thank you. It is a small town. It is uh, an absolutely beautiful series. It's ridiculously well done. It's got... Uh, a great cast of indigenous characters uh, as they follow the lives of usually the principal four individuals that are growing up in this reservation in Oklahoma and their hopes and desires and how they deal with tragedy and struggle and the burden of traditions from the past inside of their uh, Native American tribe. It goes into detailed uh, expositions about all the adults in their lives as well. Um, and it is really, really funny too. There's a magical realism element to it where they now speak to an unknown warrior who passed away um, centuries ago who gives them advice. It's, it's just very well put together. It's uh, equal parts uh, moving, touching, and just has a sense of humor all the way through as they uh, navigate a very difficult situation that they're thrust into because of life circumstances. So if you haven't had a chance to take a look at it, I highly recommend uh, Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Yeah, and that's a... It's a starring indigenous people generally created by indigenous people the co-creator uh -huh. is taika watiti which is where you get the comedy elements i think from i think he you know he has his style and you can kind of hear it sometimes within the within the character a lot of within the magical realism the uh spirit or whatever that visits them <laughs> yeah uh, dallas goldtooth i think is the name of the the writer who's actually playing that right like it's he's an unknown warrior that comes back and gives the young warriors some very solid life advice and uh, actually usually very confusing and not at all helpful. Yeah, usually not advice. a good job of it. <laughs> yeah. There's no, a number of other people that kind of pop in and out in the mythology that they, that they grew up believing in and it's, it's beautifully interweaved. It's not, um, like, uh, you, you know, what actually else is on that is the, uh, the guy that was in the, um, the TikTok viral video. Uh, I don't think you've seen this, Ryan. I think I might be spoiling it a little bit for you for, for season two. But, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, this is the guy who was drinking his cranberry juice and running down the highway singing to Rumors by uh, Fleetwood Mac. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, no. I, I don't know. Right. I have not seen this. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. He was like a, a random guy who just blew up like crazy drinking uh, cranberry juice and singing to Fleetwood Mac. And they cast him because he happens to be Native American as well. And he does an incredible job. It's his first time acting. He's uh, does an excellent job in a, more than a couple of, stuff of episodes in season two, too. So um, they play a lot with the real world as well. They have Bill Burr as a guest. They have Bobby Lee, who's one of the recurring characters in the show as well. They have a lot of comedians come in and, and do some yeah, like so, uh, some great and, work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's 
it's interesting because it does give a really good representation of a life on the reservation. The, yeah. The the good of the community and family, but the bad of the poverty. Our initial characters are. It's funny that we were talking about City of God, but in a yeah. life of light crime at times, especially at the start of the the show. Um, I, I call it. But, it's, a, it's adorable crime. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trademarked. <laughs> um, but you mentioned Bobby Lee. It also somewhat talks about the the difficulties of the medical system within there. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a character that's a police officer, and we see some of the difficulties of police. And it does, at least in the first season, it didn't get into the so jurisdictions. I don't know if it goes further. Yeah, the jurisdictions yeah. gets is an interesting thing as well. And the uh, the 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 shifting nature of reality, right? It's not just the magical realism, but there's also a distrust for very valid reasons, right? The distrust of the scientific community and the medical community and the legal community and the political community. It's 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 all sort of interweaved, and what that does to a, a, a people, and 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 how they react to those kinds of the uh, things that have happened in their past, right? So it's, I would agree, it's beautiful. And um, there's some characters that leave the the reservation and come back, and you know how they deal with that kind of loss of family and the regaining of family, how they deal with with tragedy inside the community as well. It's it's. Like I said, it's, like, it's very funny, but it's got some very deep and meaningful points as well. So, Yeah, from the, the episodes that I've watched of it, I mean, I've always had a good time watching it. For some reason, I, I have a lot of, I need mental energy to watch shows and not movies. And I've, it's a <laughs> bad trend that I'm headed in where I just want to get back to being able to be like, oh, I'm going to watch like all of Reservation Dogs in, not in like one sitting, obviously, but like <laughs> I'm going to see it in a month. Like I'll watch it over that period of time or something. Um, but I'm like halfway through season one and somehow I still haven't just finished out like the rest of it. Um, but every episode I watch, I'm like, this is great. I, yeah, I think that it might be a mixture of that. And like, I'm getting, when I start watching I'm like, oh yay. Like the, the funny parts. And then it gets into like the emotional parts and I'm like, oh no, I've not prepared for this for some reason. Like how did I not? (laughs) Um, especially like it, we, we're talking about all this, but the whole first season is all around their friend's death. Yeah. Right. That's the main thing that I remember that like comes to my mind when I think about it first is that, and I'm like, Oh yeah, uh, that was pretty heavy. Um, just them carrying out and kind of being bored and like trolling occasionally in the neighborhood. And there's like some weird gang that's fucking around with them. And those like, it all comes back to me the moment I remember it, which tells me that it's a memorable show to begin with. Cause (laughs) I haven't watched it. I think it's been like over a year since I've watched that first portion of season one and i still remember a lot of it really vividly so i i just need to get my butt in gear and go watch the rest of it already um because season two's out season three is coming soon right so yep uh, yeah like, hopefully next fall yeah yeah, yeah and i need to watch uh, season two yeah one episode a night is what we were able to do we couldn't watch more than one sometimes we wanted to and just no it's gonna be it's gonna be too much i need to start See, doing that that's my you, problem you, you Warner, you get to share with me. This is the life of having children that, that I don't get to share with Dixon and John. <laughs> this idea of binge watching, of watching more than one episode in a day. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, wait. These episodes are 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 they relatively short or are they hour long? I can't remember. Are they thirty minutes? Or? No, they're short. Okay, I think there's. Yeah, I think they're, they're shorter. They're yeah. Yeah, I think okay. we watch. We'll watch like maybe one or two when we do it. But yeah, so many hour long shows these days. Yeah, they need to. <laughs> figure out how to make their hour long shows into more ingestible chunks for everybody. 
can't stand <laughs> being in some weird gritty world for an hour. I'd much rather do something that's a little emotionally invested, but also has some good comedy like this. Um, See, how do you, how do you yeah. reconcile not being able to be in a gritty show for an hour, but being able to be in a gritty movie for two? Yeah, that's the weird. Well, because once I get out of the Calling gritty movie, I won't because I watched seven. I watched seven seasons of Mad Men. That's the last thing that I finished uh, that I really went for. And that is do you just want that to be the last lot. thing you finish, though. Like, is that no, a good note to end it on? No, it's not. That's why I ordered all of the Dragon Ball Zs. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Rides God to you. I'll balance it I'll out. Like it. <laughs> and I watched WrestleMania the past weekend. They just keep making oh, no. those. <laughs> Ryan, why? Uh, yeah, now they're two days worth of WrestleMania. They're eventually going to be more than two days. It'll be a God. week. Um, yeah, all of these right. things, I know it's irrational for me to be like, I, I can't commit to 30 minutes of reservation dogs and finish it. <laughs> I can do like three hours of a depressing movie, uh, something like that. Sure. I will, I will say John has committed to all these vinegar syndrome DVDs that just keep showing up mysteriously. It's true. And those I end up watching because I'm like, all right, I just know that going into this, I don't have to be super challenged by it. <laughs> like i'm not ready <laughs> yeah no i'm I'm gonna do it i'm gonna commit to it i'll watch reservation dogs i just don't know what the deadline is for that yet let me set a time by by my birthday this year by july i'll have finished season wow. one for sure wow okay well you backed away almost immediately there just season one <laughs> yeah just season one <laughs> okay <laughs> next I'll, birthday I'll be in the middle, season two i'll be in the middle of season two by my birthday <laughs> there i'm up in the stakes okay the stakes have been raised <laughs> um yeah but i i definitely want to get back into it and this recommendation you all, you all regret it it's it's really good me, so yeah awesome uh well ryan what do you got for us yeah uh I watched a lot of kids movies to to pass the time of spring break this last uh last week. I did watch some movies on the plane. Uh but the the thing that actually I want to talk about which honestly in all that time of the week was the best thing that I watched um was Puss in Boots colon The Last Wish. We have to say the colon for Dixon. Uh, oh, it says to be in there. Dixon loves everybody who says the colon. Dixon loves the yep. colon. That's just what it is. He loves so. colons. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a tagline here, right? Dixon loves colons. Yes. <laughs> Make sure you get that a clippable <laughs> we <need> audio <laughs> file right there. Dixon loves colons. Cut. Mm -hmm. I am known by many names. Stabby Tabby. El Macho Gato. The Legend Whisperer. I am Pussy Boots. Holy frijoles. You lunch me. You're still here? Okay, okay. One more number. I call this one The Legend Will Never Die. I had heard decent things about this. Um, kind of had been, I hear it bounced around that, that it was good. Um, so it was on my radar to watch when it got cheap enough to rent. Uh, and I'm tired of all the things my family does want to watch. Uh, this is one where I was like, all right, well, here's something that came out. They still refuse to watch Pinocchio, by the way. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to watch. Is Shore one? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, they actually probably would watch that one. They don't want to watch the Guillermo del Toro one. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. The, this movie is way better than it, than it should be for the third movie. 
of a second-rate Shrek sidekick character from a sequel Shrek movie. Like, we're really sh- are down the, like... Yeah, we're really far on the franchise Really down tree. the path, yeah, <laughs> of, of this. Um, and I, I know I watched maybe the first two Puss in Boots in theaters, at least one of them in theaters, and I honestly don't really remember what happened other than he wore boots and there was another cat that got introduced that was voiced by Selma Hayek. Um, but oh that's about my God. It. Seriously. There was an evil Humpty Dumpty, I think in one of them, but I really don't I really. It's a, it's a fever <laughs> dream at this point. Are you sure you're uh, not thinking of return to Oz? <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Putting my children through the horror of return to Oz. Um, There's a conversation between Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek where, where he convinced her to do this. He's, he's like, you don't know the I just money. Be a that's part in of that conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he was in Shark. Wasn't that Shark Tale? He was in some other terrible movie too. He's, yeah. a, he's, he's like, a lot I, of terrible movies. I came in for two weeks. I didn't even have to see anyone else. Spy movies. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all yeah, they're all in all the, the spy movies. Oh yeah. Spy kids movies. Spy yeah. Kids. <laughs> the money is in kids movies. It really is. That's why uh, there's so many Beverly Hills Chihuahuas. <laughs> all those fucking Airbud. Speaking yes. of like offshoots of offshoots, those like Airbud knockoff sequel Airbuds. Uh, the dog I stopped at uh, Land Before Time Nine. I think that's yeah. when I just gave up on yeah. the when it started franchises. to eat itself. Land Before Time Nine, Homeward Bound Zero. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. On, anyway, Ryan. back to back to back to Puss in Boots. Um, this it, honestly, like. I actually think the last Puss in Boots movie was about him getting too old to be Puss in Boots and there was some resolution of him moving on with his life or something. But that's also the plot of this movie, but I think it does it better. Um, the main caveat being that Puss in Boots lost his previous eight lives and now he's down to only one. And now everything actually matters. Like now the stakes of things actually matter for him and he's not able to be the fearless person he was, uh, which they represent as having the big bad wolf like actually be death and follow him around. <laughs> like with, uh, a, period- with a sickle? Yeah, he has like this pair of sickles uh, and he's no. like, you know, got a hood up over himself, which is, you know, funny to have the big bad wolf in a hood. But anyway, and he, he does this like whistle and everything gets silent. I actually wish I had seen it in the theaters because I'd like to see how disturbing it was to children in a theater to have like complete silence and a scary character coming up uh, in the, you know, in my house, eh, I could tell it was silent, but it wasn't, it didn't have the impacts I think it might've had in the theaters. The animation on this again, way better than it should be. Uh, the previous ones didn't, you know, they were all right, but they, you know, even Shrek is like, doesn't try that hard on it. If we're being honest with the animation. Um, I actually thought this one was, was good. And the fight scenes were good. I think they stole some of the end of the spider war verse way of, 3D modeling into sort of 2D fight scene look uh, that I think everyone's kind of stealing now. Uh, but it looks good. Like, it's cool. And it, it managed to still be funny. <laughs> and, and all the same time, they, they kind of turned up the extreme of what Shrek does well, which is taking a, a fairy tale character and making it the kind of like most ridiculous version of it. And so our main bad guy is little Jack Horner, who's now freakishly huge. And runs a pie industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Makes sense. And he wants uh, everything magical to be undone or destroyed, or he wants all the magical powers because when he was a kid, no one paid attention to him and his pie industry because they were entertained by magic characters. 
and so and the tracks yeah and he has like all these magical things that he's collected that he like throws around or uses at various times that are kind of are just those like ah like if you know it you get it kind of moments um and so yeah like it, i sat there and was like really enjoying it it was really one of those things where i like kind of kept laughing and kept like turning my kids being like why is this good like why am I enjoying this? <laughs> did like this did should they not agree be with you that it was good? Yeah, actually they did. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like Darla fell asleep during it, but that's a separate. But she did want to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so she uh, asked a follow up question. That's big. Yeah, so she she asked a follow up question, and we actually all talked about watching it again, uh, which says something. And, and enough that Darla and I have the conversation later, and I was like, I think that was because we had talked at the year end wrap up about, and I kind of mentioned animated movies because it's always kind of definitely been my thing to, to to look at like what were the best animated movies last year kind of sucked mm-hmm. uh honestly for animated movies and i think a lot of the big studios you know my big studios i mean disney putting out nine things yeah. they're just really not doing it anymore uh and really dreamworks kind of had been phoning it in with all the despicable me stuff as of late it was kind of surprising for them to like i thought that was go is back to the shrek will or that's illumination DreamWorks? yeah no sorry yeah. dreamworks yeah, illumination like is job. phoning it in <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what DreamWorks was doing. I guess they've just been doing Shrek shit. Um, so yeah, I was kind of surprised at this, and I was like, the Sea Beast, which I had mentioned previously on the podcast as well, like were much better than any of the normal offerings of animation that were coming out. Um, so yeah, I actually feel like, as a kid's movie, if you have to be pinned down like I am to watch a kid's movie, uh, that this is really good. And, and honestly, like if you're just, it's on kind of thing, it's funny. Like it's enjoyable, it's funny, and the animation is actually like decent. Yeah. So kind of, kind of like the early Shreks, you know, like the Shrek movies when they were funny and you could watch them even as an adult and just be like, all right, this is just kind of funny and and it went back to its roots when it wasn't a dead horse that was just being beaten, right? Repeatedly, yeah, for any profit. Yeah, I remember that. I I do appreciate that. Like, if it does feel like anime or animated movies are trying hard not to just be pure and adulterate cash grabs. Well, it you say they were, and it feels like the Super gone Mario back. Brothers movie yeah. just released last oh, week. Oh, <laughs> man. No, you're right. Yeah, it like, kind of feels like it's we're in a bit of a cash grab time. Like we've kind of given up a little bit on the quality. I'm hoping it's going to come but back. Toy but Toy Story 3 was so good. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, yeah. Right. Sometimes, but cars. Cars were so bad. Cars, you three, know what? planes. Is there, like, is there the a way that we studio. can predict this? Is there a producer that we should follow? Like, because it really There's is either. Halfway decent or just trash. Yeah, well, I can tell you don't follow John Lasseter anymore. <laughs> that's that's all I could say. This is falling uh, apart. <laughs> um, yeah. I am surprised that that Dixon didn't mention this in his run-ups because it has uh, his favorite actress, Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh, in it. So he should have been watching it. Yeah, shame on him yeah. for not even trying to watch this. Um, I heard good things about this from so many people, and I saw so many rave reviews that I honestly stay away from things that say that because it's only going to let me down. It's kind of how I come to see it. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I'll let it, I'll let myself forget about it and I'll come back to it. Um, but I feel like it's been enough time. And I also did go see the super Mario brothers movie this past weekend. <laughs> and I need something that's a got, probably got like a little bit better story and stakes. Um, don't get me wrong. It was a fun ride. Literally. I was in like a 40 experience where it was like a fucking roller coaster the whole time. And it threw me almost out of my seat. Um, so it was a literal ride, but (laughs) I'm not a fan of the 4d. I I literally got nauseous. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that uh, if, unless you really want to get your body tossed around. If you're like trying to shake the food down or something, I guess go ahead. But for me, I'm just like, <laughs> no. I was trying to eat popcorn, and it, it's like when you see somebody shaving and driving. That's what it felt like. Where I was like, I am so tempting fate. I'm gonna choke myself in this movie. They used to say like a like an infomercial version of something for eating popcorn. Where yeah, the guy's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There's got to be a popcorn. better way. <laughs> it's, it's gyro stabilized popcorn. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but yeah, uh, well, awesome. I I definitely want to check it out. Is it? I don't know. Like in terms of you, you say that it's a really good kids movie. Did you say that it was like also? I mean, it's entertaining for adults. But I, uh, I just I'm trying to get over the picture of you turning to your kids and being like, why is it good? Um, <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> honestly, I think it would be funny if like Ella and Logan were like, dad, shush, we're like trying to watch this movie right now. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Well, that's usually or, every movie. Yeah. Um, or just like in unison, it's not dad. You're weird. Yeah. <laughs> dad, you don't Look, understand. I was talking to him and criticizing Peppa Pig again in the car yesterday. So what's <laughs> what they Peppa have to Pig? live with? <laughs> don't, well, I'm, I'm oh, wait, don't, let's not talk about don't that. Do don't this. get me don't started. Get, don't get me started. Peppa Pig, no Berenstain Bears. <laughs> no Berenstain Bears. <laughs> These are all started. for right, Bowden. We're, we're, we're doing an episode three. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah, we'll we'll later. <laughs> After theories. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, man, that would get us. John, we, we would get in a lot of trouble. We, we did an epic theories. Um, no, like this is, I would say it's like a, a solid B plus. If if I think about the first Trek movie, and weirdly like the third Trek movie, um, yeah. they're good and good enough for adults to watch, especially the first Shrek, because I think the first Shrek does such a good job of lampooning or sticking its middle finger out at all other kids' movies, fairy tales, like animation movies, everything. Like that one is an excellent adults can totally and should watch it like it's yeah. kind of surprising how good shrek is um the the offshoot franchises and the later sequels kind of lose a little bit of that and they get a little bit too much into the characters and kind of just making it a functional movie instead of just an outright bizarre comedy um so this one is like it's still a good functional story that i enjoyed it's kind of obvious where things are going cuz it's for kids mm. um but enjoyable. So it's like, I, I recommend it. Like it's good. And if you're like, Oh, I watch that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm, this isn't like where I'm like, go out of your way, like spider verse or something where I'm like, no, no, go out of your way. Go watch that. Yeah. Um, not, not quite Mitchell's versus the machines. I do. That's one where I'm like that. That, that was a really good movie. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm still going to add it to my watch list. I yeah. Watch this and, this and watch, uh, and watch sea beast on Netflix. Like that's hmm. another where it, it's better than it should be. Movie. I feel like I have I'm not the right age range to follow your recommendations because I have a three year old that's not ready for this and I have oh, a fourteen yeah. year old that's well past it. All right, mm -hmm. so I don't really. I I don't. I think older kids would be okay. Like this would be they would enjoy it. Like the Shrek franchise, kind of in general, can skew a little bit more where you can kind of sit there and start to make fun of it, and then you kind of get into it. I think that's kind of where it where it would sit. But I, I so? agree. Like three, yeah, you're kind of at that point where you're lucky if. If she'll watch, she'll watch it with her younger sister. So she watches a lot of stuff with her younger sister. So yeah. if, if the three-year-old can watch it, she'll, we'll, we'll put it on. But yeah. yeah, I'm getting like Sunday matinee vibes from you, Ryan, the way you're talking about this movie. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a lazy Sunday, throw something on, but you don't know what. Hey, why not this? Sure. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, gotcha. Nice. Um, cool. Well, uh, 
Yeah, Puss in Boots colon, what was it? The, the Puss in Boots colon, The Last Wish. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, the Last Wish Master. Sorry, I no. just had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> look, for, look out for my fan fiction. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I watched something that um, I wouldn't recommend for either of your kids, Warner. Um, <laughs> I would... I, Good I'm recommending, I'm going to recommend it, but I wouldn't recommend it for kids. Um, I think I recommend it more from the school of film, the more of like thinking about how a movie is made and when a remake is made and why it's made. Um, and that's uh, the 1983 movie Breathless, directed by Jim McBride. Jim McBride apparently watched Jean-Luc Godard's original Breathless from 1960 and was so floored by it. He was in Brazil, by the way. He was like living in Brazil, didn't really speak the language, was trying to learn it. So he just went and watched a ton of movies. And uh, Breathless was one of them and it blew him away. And he said, I want to make that movie someday. I want to make that movie again. And he got Jean-Luc Godard to approve and give his blessing, even though Jean-Luc Godard apparently had done the exact same thing for several other studios and kind of like spread that license around a little too liberally. Um, but Jim McBride kind of pulled through and he wanted to cast Robert De Niro for this movie and instead got Richard Gere, uh, Hollywood honk, Richard Gere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Breathless is the story of a man who uh, is a sociopath. Let's just cut to the chase here. He's completely fucking delusional and narcissistic. And he's convinced after sleeping with a French student um, in Las Vegas for two nights that she is the love of his life. He's going to drive all the way to L.A. He's going to interrupt her thesis dissertation on whatever architecture class that she's taking. And then he's going to sweep her off her feet and they're going to run to Mexico. Um, along his insane opening drive where he steals somebody's Porsche, I believe it's a Porsche. Um, he kills a cop because he goes like 180 miles an hour, leads the cop on this chase, gets the Porsche stuck in like a dirt uh, ditch, blames the Porsche for shitty manufacturing, <laughs> and then shoots the cop um, by accidentally touching a gun that was in the Porsche. So after that, he goes about his business like nothing has happened and decides, I'm still going to woo this woman. And the entire movie is him trying to convince her that she is in love with him and that they have to run away together. And it's this weird fluctuation the entire time I watch the movie where it goes into heavy stylization and camp and then immediately will slam you back into grounded realism. Like the moment that people start shooting at each other or there are some really tense gripping sequences where people are fighting and chasing each other across like different set pieces through like either a restaurant or across a junkyard. And those are the moments where I was left breathless and was kind of like, wow, um, I, I don't, I really don't know where the fuck this movie is going or how it's going to end. Um, and it compelled me to watch to the end of it that, and I've never seen Richard Gere be this unhinged in anything at all. He's like obsessed with Jerry <laughs> Lee Lewis, the entire movie. And he sings like 
so many songs and just goes fucking full ham on like any of it. He's just dancing all the time um, and doing all this fucking wild, crazy shit that I never knew gear would do. Cause I only remember like officer and a gentleman and the fact that he became America's Hugh Grant uh, as, as time went on, that was kind of like his <laughs> career path. It seems so. Um, yeah, it has a lot of like movie language in it too. There's a lot of film references and homage. And I believe this is Quentin Tarantino's preferred uh, rendition of breathless. Uh, and if you watch it, you immediately know why you can see like a lot of the things that Tarantino pulled from this to put in Pulp Fiction um, or like some of the certain styles that he's put into his movies. This is stuff that like he took from Jim McBride, um, just like certain scenes are bathed in red light. Uh, they use rear projection when people are driving around um, and, and it doesn't try to hide that. It's very proud of the camp that it presents in sort of the classic Hollywood style. And it reminded me a lot of New York, New York by Martin Scorsese which makes total sense that De Niro would be the number one pick for this character because De Niro is the same kind of narcissistic unhinged in New York, New York that gear is in this. So yeah, um, Breathless. I, I would recommend it just for all of the stylistic things. Like Sasha and I watched it together because we picked a, a romance film for the night. We thought, hey, let's do something romantic. And this movie was not what we thought it would be. Um, all of the box art and everything was like, it looked like those novels where there's just like blowing wind in everybody's hair and a man holding a woman <laughs> just tenderly. And then when we watched it, we were both like, this man's fucking insane. Why has nobody stopped him? Why is he loose in Los Angeles? Um, so, yeah. You, you followed it up with Bonnie and Clyde and just had all the great. Yeah, just good laughs all around. <laughs> it's a grand old time. Very romantic by candlelight. It's interesting. Like, I, I know the I've watched the old one 1960 version and it was very influential itself of yeah more new weird cinema and has since been referenced a lot um and i kind of tend to see a remake of something that was really good in the beginning and be like whatever yeah and don't pay any attention to it so i this is zero percent on my radar i never would have thought to watch this version yeah it it has a cult following um, as I mean, if Tarantino likes it, obviously there's going to be some appetite out there for some folks who are like, I like this more than the other one. Um, I was looking at the letterbox review cause letterbox did a write up for it. They recently published a Blu-ray for it. Like vinegar syndrome put this out. Um, I think it was vinegar syndrome that did it. Uh, I got it from them anyway. Um, and, uh, it was like, they were like somebody's quote back of the box quote was Jean-Luc Godard's film is groundbreaking and let us not all forget that but this movie is superior in its horniness. And that is why this is my preferred <laughs> version of breathless. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if you like Godard's groundbreaking film work, that's great. Uh, just pivot to this as being your go-to breathless for horniness. Sure. Why not? Uh, it, it's a lot of Richard Gere walking around with the shirt off. There's a lot of sexy sequences and like really passionate chemistry. The only thing that I would say was a real detractor. Um, other than the fact that like, it's a character that you, it's very repugnant. You're just gears. Character is not relatable, very despicable the whole time. It's really more fascinating to just watch him self-destruct over the course of the movie. Um, but, uh, Valerie Kaprisky is the, uh, the, his co-star. And I believe that she was just kind of picked, um, out of like a line of who had the most chemistry with Richard gear, but she is not as great in terms of her acting talent. Like she can't bring the same level of complexity 
to her character that needs to be there, where she's supposed to be a French student who's torn between the rigid structure of academia and a life that's been completely planned for her. And then the spontaneity that Richard Gere's character brings into the picture and this like, let's just go to Mexico and live our lives there and fuck all the rest of it. Um, it, it, she doesn't really in moments where she's supposed to be contemplating those, those two aspects of her life. I don't see any other dimension really surface. I see kind of like a waiting for Richard Gere to pick up the rest of the scene at times, things like that. So it's probably the, the weaker aspect for me of that movie. Um, but yeah, I would, I, I can would see where like a, a breakthrough bushy edgy 1960 movie could be done again in 80 in the 80s to even more excess yeah that does make sense is it, it roughly the same the same plot or it's, it's actually a reversed way? it's the same plot but it's reversed so i know in in godard's uh if i'm not mistaken it's there's an american student in italy and an italian thief oh. who's trying to convince her to run away with him and flee the border. And here, um, gear is the American and, uh, we have a French student instead who's fleeing to Mexico with him. Both college age students. Oh, okay. yeah. College yeah. age, college age. Um, okay. So nothing for the Jerry Lee Lewis thing. Yeah. That, that <laughs> part is a little, it's like weird. It was my, that, that was my first guess that gear is so obsessed with like a fifties icon in the eighties and is just like rocking and well, rolling around. But, Though I will say, like when you when you talk about retro yeah. styling, the, yep. you go back a certain number of decades. The '80s was pretty obsessed with the '50s. There were a lot of remakes of well, yeah, of Dirty 50s Dancing in the there. '80s. And yep, <laughs> and you have that Dirty Dancing fallback, and then Back to the Future is goes, he goes back, back to the, 50s, to the yeah. '50s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but this is like I if mean, Richard Gere went forward in the, to the future, and <laughs> <laughs> in the in the original one, he's like obsessed with Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, right. So it's from the '60s to the '40s. Yeah, yeah. So this, this makes that's funny. It makes sense, but it's also just really weird when he's dancing around and singing that to everybody, and you see like <laughs> the budding culture of the '80s, and like Reaganism is surfacing, and like <laughs> other shit in the background. Uh, it's it's kind of it also like Gear does really the unhinged shit I'm talking about is like the first ever sequence we get of him being like, I'm going to go marry this girl, Monica, and we're going to go to Mexico. He breaks into her apartment by posing as the pool guy. And, uh, then like leaves a flower and a bunch of other stuff in her apartment and a photo of him. And he rips up in a photo of her and some guy and doing all this bottom chin shit. And he just leaves that apartment and is like, she'll think that it was romantic. And I'm like, Oh man, this is, I got news for you, buddy. This is going to be a difficult conversation. <laughs> But yeah, if you want to see Richard Gere doing that kind of shit, as opposed to his usual rom-com American Hugh Grant, um, Breathless yeah, is that. interesting from that regard. And Breathless is interesting from the Jean-Luc Godard aspect as well. And also just seeing where Tarantino's influences come from. I'm fascinated by that. So, Any notes in this that you see in American Psycho? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I see any real hints in American Psycho that are in this. He doesn't. Yeah, there's not as much there for me to grab onto when I think about it. Um, I think that just in general, it's this exploration of a narcissist and it doesn't seem to have a, a real critique about it. There is like a, a fatalism oh, to it and like, a, you know, it'll eventually be your undoing. Like the whole time Richard Gere does anything, it basically just sows the seeds in a different direction of like his destruction and it slowly narrows the amount of options he can take to escape the city. Um, and you're just watching that those walls close in 
whereas I guess in like American Psycho, there's a difference of like this sociopathic tendencies and the things that Patrick Bateman uses are like an untrustworthy narrator here. Like we already know what is true and what's not. And it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't translate the, the same way. I think. Hmm. But yeah. Interesting that Jim McBride went on to do a Jerry Lee Lewis movie. Jim McBride loves Jerry Lee Lewis. I believe. So maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's Jim McBride that loves Jerry Lee Lewis. There's a lot of things Jim McBride loves, and uh, apparently it was his love of Jerry Lee Lewis that convinced Richard Gere to take the part. So, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I watched the special features immediately after. Uh, just there was an interview. It's a really long interview with Jim McBride about this movie and, and his passion for it and how he wanted to make it. And the fact that th- he called, he knew Paul Schrader and he knew Martin Scorsese. And Robert De Niro really wanted to be in the movie. And he kept saying, yeah, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Like week over week, he would, Jim McBride would call De Niro up and De Niro would be like, let me think about it. And eventually he talked to Martin Scorsese and was like, what the fuck is Bob doing? And Scorsese was like, well, we're shooting this picture, um, Raging Bull. And, uh, (laughs) and, and he's gotten really fat. So he's kind of like trying to, to work that down, uh, while we do this. And Jim McBride was like, well, can you tell Bob the next time I talk to him to, to just say no? Um, just say, no, you're not going to do the part. And he was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And uh, that was like how De Niro opted out. And then uh, the studio was like, what about Richard Gere? And Jim McBride was like, no, not going to do that. <laughs> um, and so he, he denied Richard Gere and kept trying to look for another person to fill this role. And eventually he, the studio was like, you know what? Fuck it, Jim. You're not going to do this anymore. We're going to give it to a different director. We're going to have somebody rewrite your script. And they took all of that, rewrote it. They brought this director in. And then the moment they were about to shoot, the director was like, nope, I'm out. And he just bailed and left the script. And they were like, uh, Jim, you want to come back and direct the script that's been treated? And, uh, you can have whoever you want. And he's like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we got we can get, uh, they actually, I think Richard Gere had signed on while that other director was going to do it. And so they were like, we got Richard Gere. And then immediately Richard Gere was like, I don't want to fucking do this. If Jim McBride's going to be here, I'm not going to do this movie. I don't know this fucking guy. I don't know this director at all. I'm not going to do it. So after a while, Jim was like, I just said, fuck it. I would do it with the casting they did. I did it with the script they did. Um, I just needed to win Richard Gere over. And the only way to do that was to call Paul Schrader and have Paul Schrader arrange for Richard Gere to meet me for a dinner one time. And I could talk to him about it and I could sell him and I knew I could. And then he immediately is like, so I didn't sell him the first dinner, but we had another dinner after. (laughs) And that's when I brought a magazine with Jerry Lee Lewis and I showed it to him with Jerry Lee Lewis dancing around and Richard Gere just said, I get it. (laughs) He just fucking went. He was just like, I know the character now. I'll do the movie. And I was like, that's the most fucking bonkers way to get into making your own movie. That sounds like such a shell game. Um, that's but a, it, that's it, a it movie kind of shows itself. in the chaos. I'd watch that movie. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would watch that too. I wish they did like a heart of darkness for this. <laughs> I, would, I would watch the <laughs> shit out of it. <laughs> the winning over and acceptance um, finally of Richard Gere. Yeah. <laughs> gearing up that's what oh, it, uh, yeah, you went. dinner with richard gear there we oh yeah my dinner with richard gear starring wallace sean um but yeah so that's that's like there's a myriad of reasons i recommend it at this point like it's just fascinating the story behind it the way it's done the lens that uh is interpreting another movie like or a previously established film mm-hmm. through this different person's passion 
Um, all of those things kind of combine. Richard Gere is so off-putting in it um, in a way that might turn people away. So that's <laughs> just my only kind of caution there. But if you're used to seeing or you have seen movies and can deal with a despicable character like that and you're down to watch that kind of downward spiral, it's a really fascinating time. Uh, and it's really fun how kind of off the wall it goes. But yeah, yeah I would I'm not sold. recommend it for anybody's kids, though. So yeah, no. <laughs> well, this is uh, everyone else falls asleep and I, I can't fall asleep kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, there you go. Breathless would, would recommend it. Um, and I believe that that's if, if there are no further questions about this movie and Richard Gere in it. Uh, and yes, you do get to see his penis, everybody. Okay, fine. Oh, there. thank God. Twisted my arm. <laughs> I was wondering. I, was, I didn't know how to ask you, John. But... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just as average as the rest of us. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, insecurities aside, I think that that brings this uh, episode of Recommend or Refute to a close here. Next so movie, American we, we started with Richard Gere? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we started off with our special guest, Warner, and his recommendation for uh, Reservation Dogs, which is a recommendation to watch both seasons that are currently out and mm -hmm. to hope that the third season gets through. Um, and also, it's a commitment for me to have watched to the half of season two by my birthday one and a half i i upped the stakes uh <laughs> um and then we have a recommendation a surprise recommendation for a family film that ryan watched um don't get too many of those but uh puss in boots colon colon wish wish no wish, okay yeah wish master i wanted to say colon the last life which i know is way darker uh, title <laughs> oh my god that was the working title yeah the last life <laughs> Pussy Boots colon The Last Wish, Master. Um, and, uh, and then you have my recommendation for uh, 1983's Breathless, which is a bonkers weird time. Um, watch it at your own discretion if you dare. Um, yeah. And uh, any, anything else y'all wanted to add? You feel like that was good? I think that's all good. Right. Just a, a fun ride all around. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, and thank you. Bringing it to a close here. I've been your host, John Garcia. With us, our special guest... Werner Hong, thank you. Uh, and uh, as always, our other co-host here, Brian King. I'll let you know uh, how my kids feel about Breathless. <laughs> oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> they survived re Return to Oz. <laughs> Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.